am blessed. I am whole. I am healed. I have favor. I'm anointed. Isn't that the great part of that song that just is so powerful? You know, we start out our life as, as little people. You look at that child and you want the best to pour into their life. And next thing you know, you start to see how sin just starts to creep into their life and take away and chisel by chisel by chisel by chip by chip by chip. As that, that happens, they don't become the potential that God has created them to be. So today we talk about bullying. But uh, before the kids are dismissed, if you have your Bible, I declare that I love this decree. And so let's hold our Bibles nice and high as we say this together. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Hallelujah. You are dismissed, young people. This is week number two as we discuss a topic that has been such a controversial issue in the face of everybody. And even this week, I have to tell you that I was faced with one phone call to a story meeting people face to face that had to deal with this issue of being bullied or you're the one who's bullying. When we stop and we think about just the privilege and pleasures that we have to pour into people's lives in this type of community or setting, even in the home or the workplace, it doesn't matter where. We see it in the school system, and in the school system, they put up signs, stop bullying, stop the madness. But what saddens me is that it continues to keep going on and on and on, and now Satan has created a tool called a smartphone that people can text and bully and say what they have to say because they can't say it to that person's face. And so as you read this, as you look at this text, as you look at this message, the first thing that comes to your mind is, how did they say that? What did they mean? What are they going through? But it's too hard to look at something like that when you realize that this person, it seems to be just so, so mean and yet hateful. And I always love at the very end of every text. L. Well, I wasn't laughing out loud. Were you? No, we aren't. And so when we talk about bullying, and last week as we kicked this off, I gave you statistics of what bullying's about, and we see it on every level, on every platform, and every demographic. There is bullying taking place. Even today, in the church, we are seeing bullying at its highest. Where are you going with this, Pastor? I'm going to show you. And, and as I was thinking about this topic, because of being a, a boy and going through ministry and being called at a young age, and, you know, we start off, we get bullied in our families. The expectations that are placed on us by siblings, by parents, it's difficult, it's hard. 
and yet you come to church, and my job as a pastor is to guide you into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And yet I know where my flaws are, my imperfections, and what I have had to deal with growing up and becoming who I am today. When I think of that song, God, you're so good, or it is well, I have to stop and ask myself the question through the time of worship. God, are you happy with who I am? Am I giving, am I pouring, or am I sucking people's lives dry and taking from them? Who am I? What have you done this week? How have you made an impact or an imprint on somebody's life? You see, when we surrender to God, when we get to the end of ourselves, and you get to the beginning of God, you start to find out that the old nature is supposed to be put to death. And all of a sudden you start rejoicing in the newness and the new life that you have in Jesus Christ. Oftentimes we want to hold on to the old things because it gives us some sense of control and gratification for ourselves. But church, I'm here to tell you today that there is freedom. There's freedom in Jesus Christ. And you are all important to Him. We have grown up being put down, being criticized. But I'm going to stand right here in the center of this church to say, you are anointed. You have favor. You are a child of the Most High God. You are a winner. You're not a whiner. You're a victor. You're not a victim. God loves you. He cares for you. And and now you can run in his anointing. You can run in his blessings. About 10 years ago, my wife and I were getting ready to go out. How many of you guys know that we have a date day? I make it known. I love spending time with my wife. And we had a date day, and I said, you know, we're going to go out. I was intentional. We put this on our calendar. We scheduled it. And I remember being on the front porch, and I received this phone call, and it went just like this. Pastor Todd? Yes. Now, I met you at one of your church services, and I'm a family member to one of your members. And I said, yes, I know who you are. And she said, I'm very disappointed in you. And I said, okay. I'm disappointed in you that you have not been up here every day to see my sister in the hospital. And I'm disappointed that your church family hasn't been up here every day in this hospital. Cleveland Clinic, downtown Cleveland. I'd already been there three times. And this was the fourth time that she was in the hospital. That was just three times in this run. Then she proceeded to say to me, I am saved. So I stood there in a dilemma. My sister is going in for surgery. She's been on life support. And we need you here. And I said to her, well, more importantly, you have Christ within you. But today was a time that I had set aside for my wife. So because of the guilt, because of the shame, because of the bullying, I went from standing 5'11 to 2'2". 
And I walked in the house, I hung the phone up, and I'll skip over some other things that she said that was not very nice. And I said to my wife, this is what just took place. And she said to me, well, maybe we should get in the car and go visit them. So we get in the car, we drive all the way to Cleveland, forgetting our date day because it doesn't matter. My life doesn't matter. What matters is that I'm there for them. Now, as we approach the room, now look at this picture. As we approach this room, there's 30 people there. And as I walk into the room, because families, cousins, brothers, sisters, nephews, grandpas, grand, everybody was there. And as we walk into this room, I wasn't greeted. We're like, hi, Pastor Todd. I am glad that you made it. Miss Pompous, old woman who called me, sits there and says, glad you could make it. <laughs> With this smirk on her face. I said, well, how's everything going? What's going on? And so as I, as I continued to minister and they made my wife and I feel like we were less than, an, than crawling on the ground as a snake or an ant. We proceeded because of guilt, because of them bullying. They all said, all 30, we are hungry. We want you to feed us. So out of the guilt, out of the shame, out of the bullying, out of feeling worthless in my position as a pastor, I go straight downstairs after I pray with them, and we're now going to surprise them because all I'm trying to do is make it up to them. And the last time I checked, none of them had ever been to my house, never made a phone call to me, never gave me a card, never gave me anything, didn't care if my kids were alive, dead, breathing, eating, sleeping, nothing. saying thanks conversion here's reality the guy who's bullying you doesn't care because they're all out for themselves and so my wife and i go downstairs and we have to go i don't know nothing about cleveland clinic so we find this this kitchen and all of a sudden as we're we're walking down into this kitchen i'm like can i talk to your head chef can you do something that's special for all those people up on the ninth floor? Whatever floor they were, I don't even remember now. And uh, so he's like, yes, it's going to cost you $100. I take out my credit card. I pay the $100, put it back. And I'm not doing that to say, oh, look at me. So I pay for it. But I am saying, that was my 100 bucks. You know what I'm saying? Hello. So we paid for it, put it back in my pocket. the house rent. I had anxiety attacks on the way to hospitals. My IBS kicked in on the way to hospitals. I have to get there. They're getting their big toe operated on. They need me there because they have a hangnail on their toe. I've got to get there. This is traumatic to that family. I'm a bad, bad pastor if I don't show up. <laughs> but I'll tell you right now, I finally realized when God reached down and said, oh, you are highly favored. You are mine. You are my child. And I declare today, you don't have to make those visits. They need me. They don't need you. What people need is a praying pastor. And I stand up here before almighty God to tell each and every one of you that you're prayed over. 
I don't have to stand there and, and place my hand on you. You need to go to Jesus Christ. We have an open door through the Holy Spouse, through the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ that sits at the right hand of God that you can go to who he says, I love you and I'm here for you. That's our God. But why is it that even in the ministry that we have been so distracted by all the expectations our job as Christians, the word Christian means Christ-likeness, to walk in Christ. I want to walk in that room. I want to buy something because I love you and because I care for you. Because you give me joy to be able to minister and to pour into your life. Oh, that's just the ministry setting. But you go into the work setting. You get incarcerated. This past week, I got a phone call from a gentleman, and he says this to me. He, uh, he says, hey, we need to talk. I'm back, so on and so forth. So I go pick him up. We're in the car together. I said, so how was that whole experience? He was incarcerated. Something, now here's what happened. Because we have a way of really looking at people, and we, we automatically judge them. Automatically judge them. I want to love you for your heartbeat. That's it. That's it. That's where Jesus resides, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And that's what I want to love. I want to love the Christ in you. And so he said, I was standing outside the hotel. We're on vacation. He said, I had my shorts on. I'm out there smoking a cigarette. Had my bandana on. And he don't do the small bandana. He does that big bandana that I guess to the world says, you are. A gangsta. He said, so I'm out there smoking. The next thing I know, cops pull in, and he says, I'm up against the wall, and they're arresting me. Are you dealing drugs here? Like, no, I'm not dealing drugs. What well, was told to us that you're dealing drugs and that you hit your wife or girlfriend or the person you're with. They're like, what? So this lady comes down, and as they're talking, and, and as I'm listening to the story, I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, I was afraid they're like, we're going to search your room. He goes, you're not searching my room unless we're standing in and I can see what you're doing. They go in his room. They search his room. They don't find any drugs. But then they say, we're going to have a little meeting outside the hallway. Now, this is just Tuesday of this week, by the way. And so, no, this isn't a story that just happened to me. So they're outside and they're having a meeting. Meanwhile, this man and this woman are standing there like, what's going on here? He says, up against the wall, you're arrested for domestic violence. He goes, what? Yep, you've hit your girlfriend. He goes, I, she goes, no, what's that on your nose? She goes, it's jelly from breakfast. See it? They had a purpose. They were bullying that man because of the way he looked. They put him in a category. Oh, he was only supposed to spend 24 hours. He spent 10 days in Tennessee. So you see, in every setting, there's a problem. So he goes into the jailhouse. He's in the common area. Everybody's getting ready to eat in the cafeteria. And a guy looks at him and says, I'll take your meal. He goes, no, you won't. He goes, yes, I will. He goes, no, you won't. The man stood up, and as he stood up, this gentleman stands up, and he said, I didn't wait for the swing. I picked the man up, slammed him down on the table, 
pulverized him, and I told him, you're not eating my food. He goes, preacher, I'm 49 years old. I thought I was done with all this stuff, and I'm fighting for my life. Amazing, isn't it? I mean, so I could continue to keep telling you what has taken place in in my life on a weekly basis that I hear stories of people being bullied because we have an expectation of what we think people are supposed to look like, walk, and talk. So we get into the Word. And we see that we're faced with a problem that's been going on for a hundred years of people being bullied. So I said to him, you have to go back. He says, yeah, well, the check's recorded. And even he said, I didn't do anything. How sad is that, isn't it? Church, I'm here to tell you, and this might come as a surprise. But when you walk in Christ, there are no distractions. Trials and tribulations will beset you. Things will take place in your life. And unfortunately, we have to figure out how are we going to overcome this type of adversity of bullying. How can we become stronger? And that's what we're going to get into today. But in Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 6, this was brought up in our small group today. And I wanted to read it to you under the New Living Translation. And here's what it said. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers, the guys who bully, the guys who put down, the guys who are constantly causing problems. He says, listen, we don't join in with them. It says, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They're like worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. They're like leaves. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Listen. the persecution, being made fun of, the expectation. Do you guys know we have a board meeting today? Do you know that my stomach's been upset all morning long because we have a board meeting? Why? Why, why would I get nervous? Why do I get anxious over a board meeting? Well, it's because I've been bullied in the board meeting. You're shocked. I saw some of you. Not here, preacher. We are holy people. Oh, no, I've been bullied. For three years before I ever received a pay hit, never, I'll never forget. The Lord says, I'm running a meeting. He says, we're going to start paying our pastor. And three of the men clasped hands and go, he's not getting a cent. He has his own business. George did what everybody did. He goes, good. I'm the treasurer. 
We walked out of there and quit crying. And now your pastor gets a pay. Because he said, that's ridiculous. The Bible says a man's order to hire. If some of you knew some of the things that I went through in board meetings, it would be unbelievable. See, we allow our pride. Now, this is what I want you to be very, very careful of. We've allowed our pride to get in the way. A board meeting should be people coming together in a community to further the kingdom of God. Period. That's, that's what it's about. It's not because you hold some fancy schmancy title and you get to all of a sudden feel like you're puffed up and you, you know, you're a big deal. You are a big deal. But we're all a big deal and we're doing it together. So as we work together as a body, that's what matters. And so we're here today because some of those wonderful people that board you have so lovingly and graciously left this congregation. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, let me pray. Let's ask God's bless for a few more moments. Father, we thank you today that in the midst of all the persecution, what we go through, Lord, we know that there's hope and there's help in you. God, this is such a story of, of and, and a message of, of feeling rejected, but we've all been there. But I just want to thank you for always being the light to my path in this dark, dark world that we live in. Bless this message. Bless the word. In your name we pray. Amen. Last week, I did that hero video and showed you some videos of, of Opie and how he got bullied and how he overcame bullying. But I'm going to give you three points today. Number one, go light your world. We started with number one last week, and I couldn't finish the message because there's just so much I need to say. But I, I, I do want you guys to know that if you're on our board right now as a treasurer, deacon, trustee, I love you. You guys are awesome. You're here because you're awesome. Really. Church, you have a great board. And, you know, as I say this, all the demons in hell here, but it doesn't matter because my God is greater, my God is more mighty, my Lord. Hallelujah. But we all get along. We love doing what we do, and that's ministry. That's outreach. And in the 14 years, I'm blessed to have all of you a part of my life. Even moving in this church, just a feeling. I brag about this church because I, I love it, but we wouldn't have it if it wasn't for you. So we need to be together. So in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, A as you turn there, I love this, and, and I know I highlighted, I won't stay on it today, because I value your time, I value the time that you have, that you come here, but Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, and I'm getting there. Says you are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and to glorify your Father which is in heaven. I like what it says. That was the King James Version. But I said last week, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? I'm going to do something just because I'm getting there. You better leave. Ray walked in. 
I love you, man. It's great to see you guys. Listen, if you lose your son in the womb, how can you see him for the rest of his life? So when you walk in, because I've been looking for you, I know, you know, preaching 101 says never put people on the spot. I just did that. But, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how will it ever be seasoned? You all are special. Kimberly came in, and just by her saying, hey, pastor, I know you get hot up there. I have something for you. And I sa- she said, I got this last week at the Alive Festival, so when you get hot up there, you just fan yourself. Well, you guys can tell. You this menopause thing that I'm going through midlife. I have my fan. And so I said, oh, I have an idea. I said, I'm going to put a sign on it. Because I got to get this church charged up. Amen? Okay, just checking. And, uh, but it's all those little things that you appreciate that people do that we pour into each other's lives. You know why I come to church? Because you bless me. Really, I come to church because I love my church family. We're to pour into each other. Uh, what we're doing is we are just seasoning. We're adding some salt, some flavor to our lives so that we can do the works that God has set before us throughout the course of the week. That's what the scripture is saying here. Jesus wants us as Christians to go into the world with his love and to make a difference. He wants us to be the light, to shine into a dark place. Number two, so one, go light your world. Number two, refuse to do nothing. Say something. You might have heard the expression, carpe diem. Seize the day, it's biblical. Oh, David went out after Goliath because he seized the day. He said, I don't care what you have to say against me, about me. I might be just a little runt. I might be a teenager. Oh, but with God on my side, I'm a winner. No matter what you say will never define who I become. And church, I'm here to tell you, no matter what is told to you, you are awesome. Because I am surrounded around God's people. You're his children. Here's what it says in Ephesians 5, chapter 9, verses 16. For this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. Try to find what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, rebuke and expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But when the light shines on them, it becomes clear how evil the things are. And when your light shines, it will expose their evil deeds. And this is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in this evil day. So it says here, For this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. We need to speak out against bullying. Stop the madness. You have a voice. We need to look for ways to help people who are struggling with depression. Stand up, stand out, shout out, shut up. Just trying to get you all to participate. You know this is a severe and serious And it's how we 
God to other people that follows us when we walk with Christ. Don't you love the old phrase? Man, there's just something different about that person. I love that. I like when they also say, man, wow, they just like have this aura around them. Guys, I'm not talking about the girl you think is pretty. And I know what you were thinking. No, I'm talking about Jesus, that there's this light. And that's what the scripture is saying. When we do what is right, what is true, what is good, then, then we are showing other people the importance of who we are in Christ. Isn't it great that when you walk away from somebody, they'll see something in you? Because guess what? They might be the next person sitting next to you in that church seat. They need you. They need that encouragement. But what happens in school, in work, at church, in our personal life, there's jealousy and envy and all the things that start to take place in our life that that we start to lose who we are. Do you guys know that because of the bullying in the ministry, I started losing a sense of who I was? I did. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, you can do that. Oh, at our church, we do it this way, and now we don't want you to do it this way. Oh, you can't, but you will. But you won't, but you don't. And my mind sometimes just goes, Woo! You need to pray for your pastor. You need to pray for the pastor's wife and his family. One time there was a guy who, I was outside working in the the flower beds at our house, and we used to live on a corner lot. And I, all of a sudden, you ever feel that like somebody's watching you? How weird and awkward that is, isn't it? You're like, what's up with that? And uh, so I stood up, and I did one of these numbers. I glanced, because this is the fun part. Do you guys love it when you do this? So. I knew he was back there, so I did one of these numbers. And I scared him to an elbow. And he sat in his truck. And he drove down the hill, and he pulls up. And I got up, and I walked over to him. I go, hey, what brought you to this neighborhood? Since I'm your pastor. He said, oh, (laughs) I just wanted to see where you live. I went, oh, that's right. Okay. Do you want a tour? That's Friday night at 7 o'clock. We'll let you show that I have the same linoleum floor you have in your kitchen. So all of a sudden, I felt awkward and strange and weird until I told you a year later. Facebook, I showed him the pastor lived in this. First of all, I had lived in a colonial. Really? It was a front porch and a deck off the back. And your people live in this little apartment over here. And it was him. But here's the creepy part. Now let's connect the dots. That guy who was seeing where I was living, it was his family member that called me to Cleveland Clinic. You're starting to see the patterns. They weren't focused on Christ. They were focused on the poor. So they were all connected together. 
They didn't come to this church. They were coming here to analyze me and to tear me apart. I'm over it. So guess what I did? I stopped the madness. As soon as we saw that, we called them out, and it made me feel good. I still shined the light. I said, I've done a lot for your family. How dare you make something, such a minute little thing, public? We all work hard. Why is it I get to rejoice in your victories, but you won't rejoice in mine? Can't we rejoice together? And listen. I work hard cleaning those toilets to get what I get in life. It's a glorious job, and somebody has to do it. So we just try to shine the light every time we shine up that porcelain. Hallelujah. That's right. Ryan knows we take great pride in what we do. So when we look at this, we understand that we need to do what? Stand up, stand out, shout out, and tell them to shut up. Stop the madness. And that's exactly what I did. I was over it. I said, your family has bullied me from a hospital room. They've bullied me at this church. You've come, you've come to my house. You're putting it on social media. And I'm over it. And the phone rings one Sunday morning. This is before I said I'm over it. Take a hike, Spike. That's right. Hey, if I'm going to spend my $100, you're going to hear my $100. Amen up in there. Here's the sad part. Now, listen, this is bullying, right? This is real. This is what happens. Becky, the phone rings. We're at the church. She picks up the phone. New Hope, 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning. Is this Becky? Yes, it is. Well, there's some things I need to tell you about you, your husband, and your church. You are a good-for-nothing blank, 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 and a more blank, and a more blank, 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 and blank. My wife said, are you done? I don't care what you have to say. It doesn't matter what your opinion says about me, my husband, this church. They're good people. We're good people. And if you don't want to be here, then don't. You guys didn't know those stories, but that's true. You guys are fake. You're all these kinds of things. And I told Becky, I said, fake? I stopped my date with my wife. Mm -hmm, you know what I'm saying? To go up there and get ridiculed by somebody and put down and controlled? I'm over it. So I said, number two, refuse to do nothing. And I said, I'm going to stand up, shout out, and tell people to shut up. And I'm done with it. I've been bullied since I was a teenager, and I'm stopping the madness. And all God's people said. Number three, and, and the last point is, arise and shine. And Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 2 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. You see, God wants us to go into a dark world filled with his light, love, glory, and his power. Now, I'm telling you here today that you will never be all things to me, and I will never be all things to you. But Jesus is everything to all of us. Hallelujah. And that's what we've got to come to a place that we need to arise, 
and shine and give God the glory, glory, shine, shine, and children of the Lord. Man, you guys are just, I love interactive uh, preaching. I, I love this story, and I heard it as I was going down the road, and it was about this little boy. And he asked his dad why, when he turned on his flashlight during the day, he couldn't see the light from the flashlight. His dad said, son, it's because the light is only intended to be seen when you're surrounded around darkness. You see, just like this world, in order for people to see us, we need to shine light to others that live in dark places. Your situations that you have been in aren't by mistake. God is charging you up for better and brighter things, so arise and shine. So here's the challenge for all of us today. Number one, don't ever bore. That doesn't just exclude physical bullying, but also threats, name-calling, insults, racial or sexual comments, spreading rumors, ignoring, and gossiping. The Bible says in Ephesians 4, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. You guys are awesome. I want to be part of a community that, that you have such great potential. We don't have to believe what just the minority has to say about us. We're better than that. Salesman walks up to my house. This It was on Friday. I was unloading my vehicle, got back from, from doing a couple cleaning accounts. And so as I was un- unloading it, this guy pulls in in his fancy uh, Cadillac Segway. Is that what they're called? <laughs> pulls up, pulls up his britches, steps off the thing. And I'm kind of watching him come up my driveway. And, and as he's doing that, it was, it was kind of neat because uh, the young man walks up and he's like, Hi, my name is Kay from or something of pest control. I never even heard of it. So as he starts to talk, I mean, the kid is eloquent. I mean, he knows his business. He knows his products. He knows what he's there to do. He starts off at $50. I got him down to $10 a treatment. My twin sister says, of course you did. I still didn't buy it. Because he looked at me and goes, wow, this is the cleanest garage I've ever been in. And I go, I know. That's why I don't need your pesticide company. But before he left, here's what I said to him. I said, Tay, can I just take a minute and, and tell you some things? Well, you know, Todd Tackett's minutes, 22 minutes. But anyhow, so I said, can I just take a minute and, and talk to you about some things? He goes, yeah. I go, first of all, you are one of the sharpest breathed young men that I've seen today. He starts laughing. I go, no, serious. You are sharp. Your shirt's tucked in. You're very eloquent the way you talk, the way you d- display yourself. I said, you know what? I want you to know that... Uh, God's going to do something with your life. He goes, you think? And I said, yeah. I go, no, really? I, I said, let me tell you. So I started teaching him some, some things on marketing, and he was asking me all these questions and having our business and the church and all that. And he, when, I, when I got to the part, and I said, hey, I just want you to know that, uh, you know, to, to be in the marketing world as a young man, he's 28 years old. I said, you have just great potential. He goes, that's amazing because growing up, I didn't always hear that. And I said, why is that? He goes, because as you can tell, I'm black. I go, you are? I didn't notice. And then I laughed. I said, but I got to tell you, you have the whitest teeth I've ever seen in my life. Are you whitening those things? Because they sure look like the million-dollar smile. He said, you know, my mom always told me, man, you've got this. You've got this. You've got this. You've got this. 
And, and I kept thinking, okay, I got it. I'm from Louisiana. I came up here, live in Aurora, Ohio, and I took on this job. My parents were like, honey, you're leaving us? He's like, yes, mom, it's time for this boy to grow up and become a man, so I'm out of here. So he left, and I said, but I want you to know that being a child of God, and, and, and he starts saying, wait a minute, you're talking about child of God? Are you a pastor? I go, well, that's funny. You should ask. I am a pastor, and I have four daughters. And uh, my girls are, where are they, by the way? Where are my kids? Oh, there's one. Oh, there they are back there in this section. And uh, they're always like, Dad, did you tell them you're a pastor and you have four girls? I go, every time. And uh, but so as I was here, he goes, my dad's a pastor. I go, really? He goes, yeah, we really have. I was hoping he'd be here today because I invited him. And I did tell him, I said, hey, no matter what you've gone through in life, no matter what people have said to you that you couldn't do it, you're going to do this. Remember, one day a favor is worth more than a lifetime of labor. You can labor your whole lifetime and then I'll put you where one day a favor can place you. That's how gifts See, you have the grace of God on your life. And young man, you walk away and he goes, man, this means a lot to me because I've had more people say I can't than I can. I said, oh, brother, you can do it. You can do it. You can. You can. He walked away and, you know, this kid, he comes up and I mean, he, he still had purpose, but he walked away. I could tell he was walking seven feet tall. You know why? Because we have a responsibility to understand what goes number two for this change. There's power in there is power in words. So it's my job as a pastor to pour into your lives. And when you're in the word, that's why I always say we start off with, that word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. I will hide his words in my heart that I won't sin against God. Proverbs 18.21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You hear this? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. If you See someone being bullied or struggling with depression, do something about it. If you're being bullied, tell somebody. If you're struggling with depression, get help. Find out what God's word says about you, that you are loved, accepted, special, important, valuable. That you are highly favored, that you are a child of the most high God. That's how important you are. And let's show practical love to people every single day. Look for people who are lonely and hurting and reach out to them in love. Church. Stop the madness. So today, would you guys like me to show you this video? It's seven minutes long. You guys are going to sing with me. I know you're looking at your time, and the alarm's going to go off. And Pastor Luke just said it was ten. That seemed very, very long from six to seven minutes to ten. When I looked at this, and I'll do part number three next week, I think we'll show it. Here, you come back, and you can hear this. Because I think it's important. When I say stop the madness, what I'm saying is this in closing. Romans 15 says this. Those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter. And not just do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us. Asking ourselves, how can I help? That's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but waited right in and helped out. I took on the troubles of the troubled is the way Scripture puts it. Uh, Edmund Burke says this, All that is necessary for evil to prosper is that enough good men do nothing. Let me repeat that. All that is necessary for evil to prosper is that enough good men do nothing.
here's my challenge today. Go light your world. Refuse to do nothing. Stand up. Speak up. And tell them to shut up. Number three, arise and shine. Go and shine. Go light your world. Remember, church, that man's rejection is God's protection. I'll finish with this story. I'm a sophomore. I would go to my locker, and every day I would go to my locker. I'd feel this nudge. The next day, I'd feel this nudge again. The next day, I would go to my locker, and it was the weirdest thing because it was only when there was a group of people that were around. And I'd feel this nudge again. I mean, because I happened to be six foot seven, 280 pounds, they couldn't stuff me in my locker. That's not really true. I was 125.11. They probably could have just flicked me and I'd have fell in the locker. So every day, I, I couldn't figure something out. And, and I remembered, you know, I thought, you know what, this is weird because every day as I go to my locker, I keep feeling this nudge. And, and it was getting worse until one day I was at my locker and literally my whole body got slammed into my locker because this is this is what happens and if we don't ever stand up and stop the madness it'll continue to keep going on and on and on so i purposed in my heart to look for the voice so i proceeded to go to my locker i'm a five foot eleven 127 showed him a couple times through that weekend when he hit me i turned around and went oh i know who you are now the next day he did it again i went oh i know who you are now and i didn't realize that in one of our classes that as i was standing up and i was presenting the gospel that i knew that this kid had some issues and some problems in his life but at the time I had to stop the madness. He was a football player. He didn't like the sights of me. He automatically started judging the minute he saw me. They watched my life. They saw my testimony amongst all the other kids in the school. And even though I said, this is going on and this is going on and this is going on, I kept thinking, is this ever going to stop? And as I was writing this message and as I was going over this, I thought to myself, wow, why is it that even the Democrats are after our president? Stop the madness, people. Pray for your president. There's nothing. Listen. It's all about pride, self-centeredness. People all want to, they just, they want things their way. No, I want it God's way. Yeah, literally in this story, I took matters in my own hands. So that day I was ready. <clears throat> Here we go. When he hits me, I'm taking him out. Because my first thought was, I'm going to stop this madness. I hadn't been in the principal's office. He probably didn't even know my name. I don't know. And I thought, but today he will. Because the old saying is, I took matters in my own hands. I 
I said, that'll be the last day that dude ever touches me. Again, he was, I'm 5'11", he's 6'2", he's probably 200 pounds, football player. When I opened up my locker, as I noticed, out of my peripheral vision, here he comes. I thought, this is going to be great. So with all the power I had in me, as soon I positioned myself, and as soon as he shoved me, I turned around, lifted the kid up, and this is not a car salting story, lifted him off the floor and slammed him into the brick wall. What happened then was history. The kid's eyeballs got this big. He came down. His feet hit the floor, and he went a-running because I said, I'm stopping this now. Here's the interesting part. We went from being in a position of being bullied to a position of respect. Because now he would walk by me and he would not. And he would walk away. If we're going to go light our world, we have to stop the noise. We have to know what is right, what is good, what is truthful. Yeah, I can give up my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I can try to negotiate. I can try all kinds of things. But if people have a purpose and a determination in their heart to hurt somebody, they'll do anything they can until they hurt them. So I want all of you to know that you don't have to put up with it any longer. And if you're the one bullying in your family with other people, you can rise above it. God loves you. And he wants this madness to stop. It's tragic. So no matter what people say about you or what they do to you, you are his child and he still loves you. The Bible says lay up for yourself treasures on this earth. So if you lay up for treasures on this earth, here's what will happen. It says do not as moth attacks rob. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where true pearls are. And yeah, I went day after day after day thinking I'm going to be a witness. I'm going to be a witness. For that family that decided to come together and start a little powwow, little did they realize I had God on my side. At the end of the day, I'm still serving God. I'm still going to plow through. And you can too. Church, you can do it. It doesn't matter what your spouse has to say. It doesn't matter what your father or mother ever had to say about you or is saying. As long as it's constructive, godly criticism. Be careful, girls. We should be pouring into the lives of our children so that when they become of age, they can run this great race that God has put before them. And they can hold a banner high that says, I will serve thee until I die. No turning back. No turning back. Church, I hope you can say the same thing. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to do something we've never done here before. There are people, this is going to seem somewhat awkward and strange, but the Lord laid this on my heart this morning. There are people in this room, and I want you to think about this, that you've never shook their hand. You're going to go, this is uncomfortable. It's okay. Because it doesn't matter. I just want you to go up and say, hi. Good to see you.
to that. It might be awkward, might be strange, because you see, in every setting, if every setting, people have a tendency to be migrated to the people that they're, they're like, their disposition. So if there's people around you maybe that you've never said hi to or you need to walk across the room, I'm going to give you just a couple minutes and we're going to go right into the invitation. But I want you to, to, to just say, hi, good to see you. That's all you have to say. I'm not asking you to do the big high five, hug them, all that kind of stuff, but just do something that, that, that might be uncomfortable. And the reason why I'm having you do this, that's the first step to overcoming this tragedy of bullying that people go through. Now, for the bullies in the room, <clears throat> I ain't going to do that. I'm just sitting in my seat. You ain't going to tell me what to do. That's not what I'm telling you what to do. I'm asking you. And so today, if you would, just turn around, look around. If there's somebody you've never said hi to, I want you to do that and say hi. Amen. This is your community. It's great to be a part of a group of people that care for one another. Uh. <laughs> All right, as everybody heads back to their seats. God puts us through so much in our lives. Didn't that feel good? Yes. Go ahead. Let's praise the Lord. See, even in a community of 100 people, you know, it, it's just a good feeling. Sometimes we, we just, it's hard to get past that. Remember, man's rejection is God's protection. God loves you. He cares for you. You are redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And I never close our services without giving anybody the opportunity to to say, yes, I want Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. He's my Savior, and that's why I live my life for Him. And if you need to know who Jesus Christ is, you just have to say, Dear Lord, I know who you are. Thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for me. I accept you. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and my life. That I can be different. As you run this great race of life, you can come before the throne of grace and know that you have a God with all of your imperfections and all the things that people said to you, you can still exalt him and lay it at his feet. That's what's great. So I stand up here today to say, your sticks and stones may hurt me. Your words may try to shape me. But I stand up here and I declare, church, I will serve him because I love him. No turning back. Don't let the enemy get a hold of you 
like he had so many people. Walk in his anointing. Let us pray. Father, we love you and we thank you again for this morning. Thank you for this time. Thank you, Lord, for the moments that define our character. Thank you, Father, for man's rejection, knowing that we have your protection. There are men and women in this room that have struggled this week deciding who they are. But God, we realize they are your children. And so I declare today, in the name of Jesus Christ, that we will walk with a pep in our step. That there is power in the word of God. And we will use that power to further your kingdom. So help us to live and to love like you see us. Lord, we praise your holy name. Help us to be different. Help us to walk in your anointing. And all God's people said,